Hey folks, welcome back to the Friday show here on the Culture Jacked podcast. I'm Dustin, I'll be your host today, and today we're going to be talking more about the shape of stories and more dramatic situations. Now, of course, this is not the only show here on the Culture Jack Podcast. We offer five original shows every single week. We've got this show on Friday, of course, the Friday show. We've got the on today's episode, tomorrow on Saturday, where we dissect uh, at least one episode of a show that we're currently watching. On Sunday, we have the Weekend Wire with Anthony, where he talks about news and things that interest him there. He's not done yet, though, because on Monday, he's got the double header. He hits you with the Monday Madness, which is really a, a good introspection into his own mind that he does out loud. And then on Thursday, we've got the Culture Jack News Desk with our host, Archimedes Abigail, over there. But this, this is none of those. This is, this is the Friday show. And like I said, welcome back to our ongoing dissection of George Pulte's 36 dramatic situations. In previous episodes of the podcast, we had talked about how every single work of dramatic fiction shared one of these few shapes. We talked about Vonnegut, who asserted that stories would typically fall into one of eight basic shapes that would usually start with a a neutral emotional feeling, fall to an emotional low, and then raise to a better-than-they-started emotional ending. We also talked about the University of Vermont, who in this last decade plotted the emotional arcs of over a thousand stories in 10,000 word chunks. And in doing so, they identified a general six story shapes that defined their research. Uh, This podcast is going to represent the third part of the series and the continuation of our conversation of a man who over a century ago posited that all dramatic works were based on a foundation of 36 unique dramatic situations. Now, I guess I should start by telling you uh, to go back and revisit the first two parts if you haven't already to get a, a more clear picture of the road that we're traveling, of the of the journey that we're all on. Um, I guess I should also tell you that you should take an opportunity now to subscribe to this podcast or follow this podcast so you don't miss out on the next three or four parts. Looks like it'll probably be three. If you are enjoying it, of course, don't subscribe. I'm not holding a gun to your head, please. Uh, If you're enjoying it, subscribe to the podcast. And finally, I should also tell you that this isn't really a normal topic of the Culture Jacked podcast. If you're new here, Anthony, Archimedes, and myself usually regale you with news, information, and audio commentary on games, movies, comics, television, anime, and technology. The only reason I'm diving so deep on this particular subject, on the subject of stories and storytelling, is because all of those things, well, most of those topics have stories built into them. And I think by understanding their formation, we might have a better appreciation for them as a whole. 
Now, in the last episode, I described each one of these story tropes. Uh, when I did, I would pair them with relevant examples that I saw in movies and in television. I, I promised that I would try my best this episode to pair them with relevant examples from video games. And now, as a reminder, uh, we found out last time that most of these stories aren't simply cut into a single one of these situations, but throughout, multiple situations are used and melded together. Okay, so to recap, the previous ones I talked about were, see if you can remember them, supplication, deliverance, vengeance of a crime, vengeance taken for kindred upon kindred, pursuit, disaster, falling prey to cruelty or misfortune, revolt, and then finally, the daring enterprise. So, <clears throat> without a further ado, on to the tenth of George Pulte's 36 dramatic situations. Abduction. The abduction storylines will have three elements. An abductor, the abducted, and the guardian. Basically, all you need to successfully use this trope is an abduction or a kidnapping of some kind. Uh, Pulte includes several variants to include the abduction of the unwilling or of the consenting with or without slaying the abductor and could include the rescue of a friend, child, lover, or, quote, rescue of a soul in captivity to error. Normally, the abduction takes place against a person's will. This type of story resonates because we all fear abduction, either of ourselves or someone that we care about. And if the abduction occurs, we all think of a way to undo the abduction or to escape or to rescue. Like I said, this will be a little tricky to try and pair a video game with these situations, but this one should be no problem because I, I had one that easily jumped to my mind when I read this. Uh, and if you think of a good example, well, in video games or, or heck, uh, even movies, let me know. Leave me a comment somewhere that I'd find it. Leave it, under, leave it under a rock. Carve it into a tree. Leave it as a message in the sky with one of those, one of those planes. Um, or you could probably just get a hold of us at Facebook or Twitter at Culture Jacked. Um, the one that I thought of, though, was the classic Mario game. The abductor, Bowser. Abducted, Princess Peach. And the guardian, of course, Mario. Over and over again, he rescues this princess from this dragon. Or is he a turtle? He's a dragon, right? Um, but now that I'm thinking of princesses, of course, the Legend of Zelda also falls into this category, or usually falls into this category. There is usually a uh, chapter or two of abduction-type storylines in major first-person shooters, where, you know, Master Chief has to rescue a scientist, or your Call of Duty bro has to go behind enemy lines to save a political prisoner, or some such thing. And I know I said I wouldn't bring up examples of movie this time, so I won't. Um, I know I said there'd be no movie examples, but if you uh, would like to leave a comment about other movies that might fit into the situation or any of the others, feel free. You are not bound to the same self-restrictive rules that I have bound myself to. Up next, The Enigma. 
In this situation, the elements are described as <clears throat> an interrogator, a seeker, and a problem. And to that end, the interrogator poses a problem that the seeker must solve. I recently finished uh, the game Red Matter on my Oculus Quest, and it borrows heavily from this trope. Now, come to think of it, most games with puzzle elements borrow from this trope as well. Some variants include searching for a person who must be found or solving a riddle on pain of death. In some cases in which the poser is the coveted woman, also temptations offered with the object of discovering a person's name or with the object of ascertaining sex. And the final variant mentioned is, you know, for tests of purposes of ascertaining of a mental condition. Uh, our need for completion draws us, the audience, in as we seek to understand and resolve the puzzle. We have motivations for, for completion and for closure, things that will help us feel clever and intellectual and be up to facing other challenges or puzzles. Now, there are a bunch of video games based on movies that I could use for this particular dramatic situation, but I feel like that would be kind of a cop-out. That would be kind of a cheat. Um, there was actually a really cool game that a uh, sequel was just announced for called... Um, shit, what was it called? Oxenfree. Uh, I think they're doing a sequel to that one anyway. I, I, I never finished the game myself, but there was a group of friends on the beach just hanging out when upon their entry into the forest some really bizarre things started to happen to them that they had to get to the bottom of. Really, any video game of the horror genre as well could fit neatly into this category. Or uh, Luigi's Mansion? Definitely Luigi's Mansion as well. But for Luigi's Mansion, on top of the mystery, there was also the abduction plot that had to be resolved by the end of the game. Of course, his friends were kidnapped. I wonder, I wonder if I can keep this going for Luigi's Mansion. Like, how could I find a, a way to fit that game into more of these dramatic situations? Or, I guess, fit more of the dramatic situations into it? How far would I have to stretch to make that a, a believable supposition? I don't know. Let's see if I can do it. Let's see if you can do it. I mean, I told you earlier that if you had an example for any one of these dramatic situations... Let me know. But now I think more specifically, I want you to try and find an example that spans multiple dramatic situations. Let's say uh, three. How about how about three? Find three or more of the situations that I showcase on the episode today that all take place in a single story, in a single media event, whether it's a movie, a book, a video game, a play, a show. Whatever it is. If you'd like to stick with the video game thing uh, I, I'm that I'm going with, that's fine. You get bonus points. Um, but, oh, there's another, uh, maybe not a specific game, but this Enigma element is also represented in games when any of the NPCs, the non-player characters, give you a quest to go and do. And speaking of quests, it leads to our next dramatic situation, which is called obtaining. Obtaining is the 12th 
of George Pulte's 36 Traumatic Situations. For this one, a solicitor requests something of the adversary who refuses to cooperate, or there are maybe opposing parties who cannot reach agreement, and so their dispute is resolved by the arbitrator. Now, I'm thinking Dynasty Warriors here, but let's dive into it a little bit more. The variants of this one include using efforts to obtain an object by ruse or by force, uh, endeavor by means of persuasive eloquence alone, or by eloquence with an arbitrator. Usually one person wants a service or an item, but another refuses. There is a tension that is created between the two. This typically resonates with an audience because we have these same kinds of conflicts in our daily lives, and we see ourselves as either the solicitor or the adversary. When this impasse seems impossible to overcome, a third party may be invited to help manage a resolution. <laughs> that was a very deep, dramatic breath. I was very... Uh, I don't know, very held in suspense. I was holding myself in suspense. So on this website that I'm using for these dramatic situations, they linked 10 possible roles that this third party can take on. And Pulte describes this character as potentially the hero or the protagonist of the story. The link brought me uh, to a book by William Urey. And though we could you know, follow that rabbit hole and describe Yuri's assertions on conflict management. We're not going to do that right now. Uh, instead, I just want to use the titles that he gives to that potential third party character in stories like this. So the 10 possible roles are the provider, the teacher, the bridge builder, the mediator, the arbiter, the equalizer, the healer, the witness, the referee, and the peacekeeper. Make of that, you know, what you will. Anyway, what are some games that could fall under the obtaining situation? As I look at those 10 roles, I feel that many video games put the player squarely into the role of the third party. The, you know, the guy or gal that doesn't claim any allegiances, but, but works for everyone. I don't think I was too far off in naming Dynasty Warriors right away, but upon closer inspection, I think the Grand Theft Auto series of games and games like that, you know, open world games where you receive quests, though not all of the quests are having you obtaining a thing for a disputing party, there are a good many of them that have you do just so. And speaking of that website that I got this list from, it's uh, changingminds.org. If you wanted to take a look at some of these things for yourself, I know that some people are more visual learners. So reading through and rereading some of the stuff uh, could maybe be helpful to you if you're interested in this sort of thing. I think it's incredibly interesting. Uh, the next one is Enmity? Enmity. Oh, man. I should have practiced that before I started the podcast. Enmity. Enmity. <laughs> of kinsmen. The elements of this dramatic situation are a malevolent kinsman and a hated or reciproc. <laughs> My God. I <laughs> reciprocally hate. Re 
or the adversary of that kinsman, uh, of that hating kinsman. Uh, basically, uh, where two relatives hate one another and they act accordingly. Some variants include one sibling being hated by several, a reciprocal... Uh, now, why did I get it so easy on that? Reciprocal, reciprocally. <laughs> I guess it's just harder in that tense. A reciprocal hatred between brothers or a hatred between relatives for reasons of self-interest. Now, it doesn't have to be siblings. Uh, it could be parents toward children or vice versa. It could be grandparents, could be relatives by marriage, or it could be ill feelings toward a child leading to <laughs> infant aside. Uh, yikes. <laughs> that sure took a dark turn. That escalated quickly, right? Uh, but think of all of the stories, maybe in or outside of video games, where a sibling is jealous of a newborn uh, baby in the family, or an uncle is going to have their chance at a crown taken by a newborn family member who is now the next in line for the throne. We relate to this trope because we all have family and most of us have family that can sometimes act in a way that we aren't proud of or that is downright despicable. This can also come to a head in the form of a sibling rivalry that develops into jealousy or hatred or a grudge. Parents who abuse or neglect a child could could set that child on a path of vengeance against the whole family or the thing that inspires them uh, to go on their quest to prove their family wrong. I mentioned an adult or sibling being jealous of a newborn baby, uh, but like the trope says, baby killing can be brought about because of perhaps an unfavorable sex of the child or a deformity at birth. Kings and warlords looking for a strong heir might dispose of their weaker offspring, which could cause ill feelings toward them and their cruelty by maybe a mother or a relative. The first video game I thought of when brainstorming over examples for this one is Metal Gear Solid, you know, because of all of the weird cloning experiments and solid snakes and liquid snakes and revolver ocelots and whatnot. But then I think that may be a little convoluted uh, to say with any kind of conviction that this game is a good example of that. So instead, the real torchbearer of this trope and this dramatic situation is going to have to be the Tekken games. So think about how Heihachi treated Kazuya or how they both treated uh, Jin and Jun. The Kazama family is rightly messed up, but an incredible storyline in an incredible series of games. Keeping up with the themes of uh, Kinsmen, the 14th dramatic situation is rivalry of Kinsmen. In this, there needs to be a preferred and a rejected Kinsmen and an object. Two relatives compete over an object. Often, another person shows more favor to one of the Kinsmen and less to the other, just like the previous kinsman entries. This doesn't necessarily need to be between siblings, but could be between a parent and a child, between cousins, or even a rivalry of friends. Rivals don't have to be malicious either. There is a broad range of emotions oftentimes associated with rivals. 
The object of their rivalry could also be a person or a person's affection. Now, this is a throwback to an older video game. So <clears throat> only retro gamers or older gamers will remember this game. But this situation is on display perfectly in an old Super Nintendo game called Joe and Mac. It was a, uh, a two-player cooperative game where you played as one of two cavemen. I have to hang up my phone. <laughs> one was Joe and the other was Mac. Naming conventions uh, in the 90s were, were really great, by the way. I know. Anyway, you and a buddy would go through the level throwing bones and rocks at other cavemen and dinosaurs. And on most levels, you would end up fighting a boss in order to free a, a cavewoman who had been captured. Well, whichever caveman had the most points at the end of the level, well, they would get a smooch from the cave woman, automatically becoming the preferred kinsman. Well, the other cavemen automatically became the rejected. For those of you paying attention, this also makes the theme of abduction present in this game. It was Luigi's Mansion, <laughs> kinsman, something to do with Mario, maybe a rivalry there. But Mario was captured in the third Luigi's Mansion game. I don't know what to make of it. Uh, rivalry creates triangular relationships, which can be excellent fodder for storytelling. The main difference between this situation, situation and enmity of kinsmen is that rivalry is more often not malicious, but played as like a friendly competition. I haven't played too many of the more recent entries, but the Devil May Cry games feel like they would fit well into this category. I think there's like two main characters who are mostly rivals and sometimes enemies, but I think I think that game would go. I don't know. I haven't played haven't played Devil May Cry since the first Devil May Cry back in the 90s, maybe. Gosh, that was a long time ago. Okay, <clears throat> the next dramatic situation. I already have a feeling as going to be more difficult to find a relevant video game comparison. The next one is murderous adultery. That's very specific. <laughs> For this one, of course, you need two adulterers and a spouse where there is a turn to violence, either with one of the adulterers seeking to remove the spouse or turning on the other adulterer. Uh, this is to include the slaying of a husband or wife by or for a paramour or the slaying of a trusted lover. Adultery creates uh, sympathy for the betrayed and is frowned upon in most cultures. In these story beats, when emotions are high, an adulterer who already feels guilty can be expected to commit worse acts. Thinking that, you know, they've already dug the hole, so they may as well dispense with the consideration of normal values. Denial and confrontation can lead to a, to a crime of passion when an adulterer is confronted by their spouse. In many stories, this kind of thing can be the catalyst for an avenging hero. And I, I can't really think of any game that has these elements in it. So off to the internet I go, <laughs> I guess. Um, okay, here, here are some. There, 
<clears throat> there's there's an adultery in Grand Theft Auto. Surprise, surprise. In Red Dead Redemption, in a PC game called Twenty Billion Wives. Sounds really interesting. I'm gonna have to pick it up. Oh, I don't have a PC. Oh wait, there was that um, that game Catherine. Uh, I remember hearing a lot of stuff about this game. Uh, you have a you have a girlfriend named Catherine with a K. Uh, but then you either meet another girl or find another girl in a dream whose name is also Catherine, but with a C. And then there might be one other girl simply named like Cat or some such thing. I don't, I don't know. I've never played it, but it looked pretty neat. Um, and all these games, I don't know how they relate specifically to the violent aspect of the trope or if there's just like cheating in general. All right. So that's the first one that I stumbled on. Uh, what was it called? Murderous adultery. Okay. <clears throat> Madness is the 16th entry in this series and in George Pulte's examination of story motifs. In this, a person becomes temporarily mad, losing control and harming a victim. Some examples are a kinsman, slain in madness, a lover slain in madness, or slaying a person who is not hated. This causes disgrace or the loss of loved ones and can be brought on by fear of a hereditary insanity. Uh, I find the situation to be an overarching theme in games like Outlast, where you have to infiltrate and abandon insane asylum in order to uncover the mysterious experiments that were, were performed on the residents there. There are obvious entries to this uh, theme, like Alice Madness Returns. It's too easy. It's in the title. Try harder video games. Too easy. Um, but the one that I'm playing now that has, has actually been applauded for its representation of mental health is Hellblade Sinuous Sacrifice. It is a, it's a great game that has your playable character hearing all of these voices inside of her head as you play the game. Some of them offer hints and clues. Others warn you of dangers and perils, and others still are disparaging your quest and telling you that you should give up. Any other game uh, to feature elements of like Lovecraftian horror are also ones that will use themes of madness to weave their story together. And my brother had a game. It was a game on... Uh, Nintendo 64? No, maybe GameCube. That, what was it? It was uh, Eternal Darkness. Eternal Darkness, Sanity's Requiem. It was so weird. Uh, there would be these trippy visuals on screen that would get trippier the more insane that your character went. And I can't remember all of them, but one of them made you think that there was a fly on your TV. And I, I just looked it up. Uh, fun fact... It was the first M-rated M-rated game that was published by Nintendo. What a title to have. It would it would uh it mess with your camera angle. It would have you re-enter rooms to discover that you had not yet left the previous room. What a weird game. Um in stories with elements of madness, we can feel horrified by a loss of control as well as become fascinated by it. All right, how about this one then? <laughs> Fatal Imprudence 
It's the 17th dramatic situation. It requires there be at least two of these three elements, uh, the imprudent, the victim, or a lost object. I mean, obviously there needs to be an imprudent person, but the effect can either be the lost object or harm to the victim. Usually this happens because of a mistake caused by unthinking imprudence, uh, curiosity, or general carelessness. Some of the variants include uh, the imprudence or curiosity causing a person's own misfortune or dishonor, or the losing of a possession of a loved one through curiosity uh, or imprudence or credulity uh, being the cause of death or misfortune for others, known and unknown. The saying, curiosity killed the cat, is emblematic of this particular story. The discussion around this theme says that when we see or read about others being imprudent, we might feel superior to them. But these kinds of stories can reaffirm our caution when approaching risky or dangerous situations. And I wasn't really sure where to start with this particular trope. So I, I punched into Google, quote, dumb uh, characters in video games. I know, I know. I'm cheating again. Uh, but I'm being forthright about it. So that's something. I actually was tempted uh, to tell you about a couple of characters I thought about in movies where they made a grand mistake or a series of mistakes. But I told you at the beginning, I wasn't going to do that. And instead, I was going to focus on video game stories exclusively. <coughs> Star-Lord. <coughs> Star-Lord. But, <laughs> but I did find this list from thegamer.com of, quote, idiots. 15 video game protagonists who make horrible decisions. I'm not going to, um, or even list them all. I'm not going to take a deep dive into them. But here are a couple that may strike up your thought process on the thing entirely. Uh, Nathan Drake from Uncharted. Did he make a bad decision that led to some bad consequences for himself or for others? Slippy Toad from Star Fox. Titus from Final Fantasy X. And Kratos from God of War. Now, though I could not think of any specific examples for myself. I know I've let you down. You're very, very disappointed in me. I would like for you to entertain a specific video game mission type, and that is the escort mission. These characters that you need to lead through swamps, warehouses, or castles oftentimes are making boneheaded moves that cause you or them at least some measure of grief. Okay. Wow. Uh, how do I tell you this? How do I say this? The final one that we're going to explore today, I just don't think that there's a video game analog to it. And I think, um, I think some of these stories may have been popular back when George, George Pulte made his list. But I think many of these stories may have been phased out just because of maybe they're too dramatic or like in this one, they are very sensitive subject material. I mean, seriously, I don't I don't feel that I could find a good video game example. Uh, and I'm even too much of a coward to punch it into the Google machine. 
So the 18th dramatic situation, the last one we're covering today, is called involuntary crimes of love. That doesn't sound so bad, does it? <laughs> Just you wait. Ah, uh, so in this one, there needs to be a lover, a beloved, and a revealer. Not so far, not so not so bad so far, right? Okay. The lover performs acts of love with the beloved, only to find out from the revealer that the beloved is actually a close relative. What video game? What video game have you seen this in? I'm not I'm not even gonna try. So if you've seen it in some game that you've played, please let us know. Or don't. I'm fine. I either way. You know, I, I bet there does exist some games with this theme in it. Uh probably some Japanese game, if I'm being honest, some uh etchy uh harem or hentai game. But I will save my internet this stain from looking for it. And, and this is not doing my internet any any particular favor because, you know, the the stains on it are are vast, far and and many. Um, some variants to this story include the discovery that the beloved is a parent or a sibling, sometimes even uh, villainously planned by like a third party. You know that sets up this situation: the unknowing violation of a child or unknowingly committing adultery. This is, uh, it's certainly a shocking situation and the viewer is rightfully disgusted by the event. But at the same time, a story like this, you can be sympathetic toward the lover and the beloved as they will be feel, feeling the guilt, the shame and the anxiety caused by the event. And so it makes for some pretty dramatic storytelling, I think is uh, Pulte's proposition. And that brings us to 18 of George Pulte's dramatic situations. The only 36 themes, tropes, and beats that exist in storytelling. Next week, we'll take another break from these situations and talk about something else. But we will be back the week after that with another nine. And I think like uh, this time where I restricted myself to video games next time I will try and find relevant examples in anime and manga I really appreciate everyone who has listened to this series so far and I look forward to talking about it with you just a little bit more but that's it that's all we have for the Friday show thank you for tuning in of course stay tuned tomorrow for on this episode or on today's episode it, it keeps changing between the two of us. Uh, the Weekend Wire, Monday Madness, and then the Culture Jack News Desk on Thursday. Make sure to leave us a review on whatever streamer that you're listening to us on. It does a real help with the algorithm. You can also get in contact uh, with us, like I said, at Facebook and Twitter at Culture Jacked. You can also send us an email at culture.collective.x2 at gmail.com. Besides that, have a good weekend. Cheers.